Buchanan Jackson, and I'm the life groups pastor here. And uh, I just kind of did a quick change of right there because I did game on before that. So I guess this is my Clark Kent outfit. I guess Superman was earlier. But um, uh, please pray for your pastor. He is actually in Memphis um, uh, preaching uh, tonight. So please pray for him. Uh, the past couple weeks he has um, been down at TSM and he's been uh, pouring into those students on there just trying to, to, to help move things forward in that ministry. Um, so uh, obviously it's been the past couple weeks been somebody different. So uh, how many of y'all, when, when preacher's not here, you kind of get, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a little down. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Okay, so you're, you're down. I know you're already disappointed, okay? Now, how many of y'all, how many of y'all here, when, when he's not here, secretly in your mind, you're saying, all right, I know I'm not supposed to have favorites, but this guy's my favorite. How many of y'all, be honest, you got your favorites? You got your favorites, all right. Okay, how many of y'all say it's me? I'm just kidding, don't answer that question. Do not answer that question. You can tell me afterwards, I love, words of affirmation is my love language. You can tell me I'm great and wonderful the rest of the night. Okay, we're good. All right, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little fun tonight. How many of y'all excited about having a little fun? Okay, how many, how many of y'all can show that a little bit better? How many of y'all excited about having fun? All right, all right, good, good, good. I'm excited about that. This mic is driving me bananas. All right, here we go. So um, we're going to do a little bit different. How many of y'all like, um, I, I hate to call it pro wrestling because I think it's a little fake, but okay, um, professional wrestling. Um, how many of y'all... Um, like it when they have those tag team matches, like those tag team matches, you know, one of those, you know, one's on the turnbuckle and they tag him and then he goes at it too, all right? That's what we're doing tonight. We're doing a little tag team action, okay? So if, you're, if I'm not your favorite, don't worry, I'll be out of here soon, okay? <laughs> then the next person will come up, okay, y'all shouldn't have clapped at that one, that's not nice, okay? <laughs> Um, but I'll be out of the way, then the next person will come up, and if that's not your favorite, then don't worry, you got one more, okay? And if he's not your favorite, then you're out of luck, okay? There's only three of us. Yeah, that's right, then you need to go home, and that's, that's what we want you to do. All right, so um, if you, <laughs> I, I love that Jeff's right here on the third row giving me commentary the whole entire time. All right, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to, uh, yeah, go ahead and have a seat, go ahead and have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. Half y'all wanted to sit down, so we'll go ahead and let the rest of y'all sit down. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 John 4. 1 John 4. We're going to be in verse number 10. 1 John 4, 10. Now, some of y'all were in in the Game On area, and you knew I was in 1 John, and you thought I was just going to do a repeat of Game On. (laughs) That may have happened, but not tonight, okay? So we're in 1 John 4. We're in one chapter over from where we were in Game On. But if you're there, say amen. amen. All right. So here we go. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but he, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Lord, I thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you for this incredible opportunity, uh, Lord, to, to stand um, in the gap where uh, a great man of God stands week in and week out. We are so thankful for our pastor and for his leadership uh, of this whole entire church. We're thankful for his heart to uh, be an encouragement to other churches and to other pastors throughout the year. Lord God, I pray you especially bless him tonight. Um, bless um, Brother Travis as he is um, ministering to the TSM students tonight. And Lord God, I pray that you would bless 
um, the three men that will be um, standing here tonight, Lord God. We need your touch. We need your anointing, Lord God. Push us out of the way and let your word be known. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all these things in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Um, tonight we're going to talk about, um, the title of it is, is, is A Change of Perspective. A Change of Perspective. It seems like sometimes we, we see things and we know things to be a certain way for so long that when somebody brings a different perspective, we kind of have a hard time with that, don't we? Right? Okay? Sometimes it's hard to change our perspective. So we're going to talk about a change of perspective. Now, um, we've been in on Sunday mornings been talking about the subject of balance, of balance. How many of y'all have enjoyed the balance series? Man, I've been getting a lot of help in that, a lot of help, a lot of stuff I needed. And there's been a lot of heavy emphasis on getting our priorities in the right order, right? Okay? And really, obviously, probably the number one priority is getting God in the right place of priority, which is number one. Would everybody agree with that? But that's probably the, the, the first um, step to, to getting our priorities in order. Now, I'll say this. Let me tell you, I'm going to kind of confess um, some of my reasons when it comes to putting God in the right place. And, and it's specifically in, okay, uh, here's the deal. We all know that we need to start our day with God, right? Amen? I need to start our day with God, walk with Him throughout, end our day with God. But it's important that we start our day with God. Now, if you're like me, sometimes that is incredibly difficult, isn't it? Okay? We, 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 we stay up late the night before. We get up. You know, it's like rush, rush, rush. Go, go, go. Don't want to be late to work. Got to get the kids ready. The kids aren't being good, so I got to make it any worse. You know, here we go, all right? And so sometimes my reasons for putting God in, 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 in the number one priority kind of goes like this. Well, I should give God the first part of my day. Well, that's my reason. I should give God the first part of my day. But why? It's really more out of obligation. I'm supposed to do it, so that's what I'm going to do, because a good Christian gets up and reads their Bible and prays in the morning. Anybody ever been there? Okay, some of y'all don't, it's okay, all right? I know all y'all are more spiritual than I am. I'm okay with that, all right? But sometimes I have that, okay? I should, I should give God the first part of my day because you know what? That's just what I'm supposed to do, obligation. Then sometimes I get super spiritual and I said, you know what? Jesus and other people in the Bible, you know what? They prioritize God in the number one spot, so I need to do that too. But really that's imitation, right? That's me seeing somebody else doing it so because somebody else is doing, doing it, that must mean that I'm going to do it as well. But then even in imitation, I'm, I'm, I'm really then moving on to obligation. I do this because somebody else did this, okay? Now, some of y'all may disagree with me. You may have different reasons for why you put God in number one priority. But if I'm being honest and I'm being real, sometimes those days are more often obligation and imitation than they are really desire, Okay? Now, let's look back at those priorities that we listed a few weeks ago, okay? Do you remember when the preacher was up here, whiteboard? Put them all up there, okay? Can we all, we'll do this together, ready? What was, on, and what was number one? Okay, what was number two? Spouse. And what was number three? Family or kids, right? What was number four? Work, okay? What was number five? Ministry, okay? Let's do that again. Ready? Number one was God. Number two was spouse. Number three was family or kids. All right, number four was work, and number five was ministry. Okay, now, when I look at that list, when I look at that list, 
and I look at my reasons, obligation, imitation, I think those reasons fit every one of those priorities, including God, including God. I look and I say, you know, I have an obligation to God, I have an obligation to my spouse, I have an obligation to my kids, an obligation to my work, ministry, you know, hey, this guy's being a really good husband, so I guess I need to do that. This guy really loves his kids, I guess I need to do that. Hey, that guy works hard, I need to do that. Hey, that guy's working in ministry, do that. And I put God in the same way and put the same reasonings by God that I put with all the other priorities. And so my, my question is, is God just one of the priorities or is he the priority? Okay, and, and how can we change our perspective to see God differently? I think we need a different reason. I think we need a different reason. It doesn't need to be based on obligation. It doesn't need to be based on imitation. It needs to be based on something else. And I'll say when he was going through this, and I went to a life group um, that night, I've been visiting around different life groups, and it just hit me that what that different reason is, okay? Now, let's talk about this. What is, we, those are the same, but what's different? Every one of the relationships listed on here is conditional. Is conditional except for one, okay? Now, some of you are going to disagree with that statement. You're going to disagree with that statement. You're going to say, you know, the, my relationship with my spouse is, is unconditional. My relationship with my kids is unconditional. My relationship with my work is unconditional. My relationship with ministry is unconditional. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of challenge you on that, okay? Is everybody ready to be challenged? Say yes. Okay, <laughs> even though you didn't want to be. It's okay. All right. So my, okay, let me, let me talk about this. I say my wife's relationship for, with me is unconditional. So here's what you do. You leave tonight. You get in your car, you drive to Las Vegas. You live it up with anything and everything that Las Vegas has to offer. You fully embrace the title Sin City. You don't call your wife the whole entire time you're there. You show up two weeks later. Guess what? Your relationship just became very conditional. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> if any of y'all do that, I promise you when you come back home two weeks from now, it's going to be very, very conditional around your house, okay? It's not unconditional. All right? My kids' relationship with me is unconditional. While you're in Las Vegas, you find a new woman, and you run off with her. You neglect your kids. You never see them or call them. You finally come to your senses several, several, several years later, and now they don't want anything to do with you. Your relationship has just become conditional. It's become conditional, okay? Because you did some things that changed that relationship. All right. My work relationship with me is unconditional, unconditional. You decide you need to catch up on some sleep because you've been on this trip, right? So you say, hey, it'd be fun for me to sleep the next 21 days away. And some of you are like, 21 days, that would be amazing, <laughs> sleeping 21 days, okay? You sleep for the next 21 days. You show up on work on day 22, and they hand you a box with your personal belongings and say your work has just become conditional. It's become conditional, okay? Your ministry, my ministry relationship, okay? Your ministry relationship is, is, not, is, is, is unconditional. Hey, my ministry relationship with me is unconditional. But I promise you, every single one of us are one bad decision away from losing our ministry completely. One bad decision away from losing our ministry completely. 
your ministry relationship is conditional. It's conditional. Now, God's relationship to you is unconditional. God's relationship to you is unconditional. Well, where do you find that? I'm glad that you asked. All right, verse 19. We were in 10, 11. Go to verse 19. Verse 19 up there. Yep. Okay, here we go. We love him because he... Okay, let's put the emphasis on the first. We love him because he first loved us. He first loved you. He put, well, let's say this. He, He put priority to you. You were his first. You were his first, okay? And it doesn't say God loves us because... Or excuse me, yeah, God loved us. No, never mind. We we love him because he first loved us. Don't you love that? It's a 15-minute timer thing. It's driving me bananas. We love him because, we love him because he first loved us. That's the condition. We love him because the condition that he did for us. We love him because he first loved us. He made a conscious choice to love me and you in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our missteps, and in spite of our sin. He knew them all and still chose to create me and to send his son to reconcile me back to him. He made that decision. Now, in contrast to the examples above, talking about the different situations that you felt were unconditional... No matter how far I go away from God, he is always there waiting with open arms, ready to receive me back to him. So how, what, what's, what's a better reason? What's a better reason? What's a better reason? It, isn't, it is easy. And I'm going to say that easy. Now, some of y'all will say it's easy. It's easy. And it helped me when I saw it from this perspective. It is easy to make God our number one priority when we realize that we are his number one priority. Let me say it one more time. It is easy. It is easy to make God our number one priority when we realize that we are his number one priority. Just a small change in perspective makes all the difference. Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity again, Lord God, just to proclaim your word. Lord, I pray that we would take every single message tonight and internalize it, Lord God, and make it real in our lives, Lord God. Lord, that you would abundantly take the truth, Lord God, and help manifest it through our lives day in and day out. Lord, we need to change of perspective. We need to understand that in order to get you in the right priority, we need to understand that you put us in the right priority first. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Lord, we pray right now for Brother Dole as he comes and gives the message. I'd meet Lorraine. She was a car hop at the NW root beer stand in East Peoria. And she brought the trays to the car and I'd 
That was in uh, about 1938. We dated for two years, then we married. 26 had been our 73rd anniversary. She gave me 75 years of her life. Well, she was just prettiest girl I ever saw. Uh huh. Yeah, and she was real timid, like, and but uh, I just fell in love with her right there. <laughs> yeah. What made Fred's entry so special to us was well, number one, it's an online singer-songwriter contest. People were supposed to upload their videos. But instead of a video, we received a very large manila envelope titled Green Shoe Studio Singer-Songwriter Contest. Well, I was excited to see what it was and open it up, and lo and behold, it was a letter from a 96-year-old man who said, I've written a song for my wife. He said on the, you know, in the letter that he was not a musician and that uh, he was not actually a very good singer. In fact, on the actual envelope itself, it says... P.S. I don't sing. I would scare people. Ha ha. So it's a letter from this 96-year-old man. He sounds like a sweet guy. But as I'm reading through the letter, I begin to realize that his wife had just passed away a month earlier. And so having known that, I started reading through the song. And he titled it Sweet Lorraine. And listening to the lyrics and the passion behind the lyrics and the letter he sent us, it was just it was so heartwarming well after she passed away I was just sitting in the front room one evening by myself and just just come right to me almost and just kept humming and that singing and then that's how it come to write it just seemed like it just just fit her yeah. Green Shoe Studio decided to take Fred's lyrics and bring them to life we decided to put them to professional music professionally recorded we uh, wanted to have a professional singer sing on this song. You know, our mission here at Green Shoe Studio is to change our community one dream at a time. And what a better way to do it. Well, I saw, uh, I saw Jacob's ad in the paper about the contest that he was going to put on. So I just thought, oh, shoot, I'll just write a letter and send it all in. And never, you know, never thinking that get an answer or something but then uh, he called one day and I, I was surprised we decided we were going to do this just by reading the letter without even meeting Fred so I called him up one day and said Fred we were touched by your story now it didn't meet the criteria of our singer songwriter contest but we're going to do something even better for you I said we're going to record your song we're going to have professionals do this. We're going to have a professional take so that, you know, it's not just lyrics anymore. It's bringing it to life. And he goes, oh, that's just so great. But, you know, how much is that going to cost me? I don't have any money. And I said, Fred, you, you misunderstand me. We're going to do all this for free. And he began to cry on the phone and say, why would you do this for me? And I told him, I said, Fred, it's, it's not... It's not that we are doing this for you. It's, you know, we're doing this together because music means so much to so many people. And your song touched us. And we feel like this is the best way to do this. Oh, sweet Lorraine, I wish we could do the good times all over again. Oh, sweet Lorraine, life only goes around once but never again. Oh, sweet Lorraine, I 
wish we could do the good times all over again. The good times all over again. But the memories will always linger on. Oh, sweet Lorraine, the memories will always linger on. Very cool. I probably spent more time with his song than I have with most other people's songs. They were, to be honest, I was a little nervous taking it to him. Uh, I've been a singer and a songwriter for years, but I must admit this is the first time in probably 10 years I've actually been nervous giving someone a song that we have taken because it meant so much to him. It meant so much to me. I'm hoping you like it. Yeah. And once I said it's not done yet, but... I'm gonna let you hear it, okay? Yeah. Tell me when you're ready. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, sweet Lorraine, I wish we could do all the good times over again. Oh, sweet Lorraine, life only goes around. Once, but never again, oh sweet Lorraine. I wish we could do all the good times over again. The good times, the good times, the good times all over again. The good times, the good times, the good times all over again. Wonderful. Good. Just wonderful. Good. I'm glad you like it. So glad you like it. It's wonderful. That was a wonderful 75 years that I just often think that kind of unreal, dreaming or something, but but uh, it was real. That's all I could say. Uh, real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really, really miss her. Just don't see him right. Yeah, just like a dream. Uh -huh. Yeah. How many of y'all want that tonight? Amen. Don't nobody want that. If you don't, I've got a class starting in September that can that can help you with that. Amen. Um. Turn in your Bibles 
to Ephesians 5, chapter 4, verse 21. I did that to soften y'all up a little bit. Verse 21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, y'all thought I was going to let you guys get out of that, didn't you? Ain't happening. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He loveth his wife. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Lord, we thank you tonight, Father, for this opportunity. God, I find myself, Lord, um, unworthy to be here, but God, I, I appreciate the opportunity once again. And God, I pray you'll just touch, lead, God, and bless. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, that video, I found that, well, as a matter of fact, Jonathan Beatty found that about three or four years ago, and I used that in my marriage class. And, um, man, when I seen it, I watched it about four or five times in a row. And I, I, I cried like a baby every time I watched it, and I still do. I was sitting right there grinding tears while I go. Um, that's what we need to strive for, that type of marriage. That man loved his wife. I'm going to tell you, and I can tell... By the way he acted and for what he did, she loved him. That was a special, a special thing that, that you don't see a lot of that today. Um, September the 24th, me and my bride will celebrate 32 years. <laughs> Thank God for her. Uh, amen. Because I would have divorced me 31 and a half years ago. Amen. But um, I look back at a lot of the people that I went to school with back in West Virginia. They've been married, but they're not. And for whatever reason, marriage today that lasts is a thing of the past. There's, there's some things that we need to look at in this passage of Scripture that can help us make it. The title of the message is just plainly making it. Um, the first thing we see is in verse 21 and 22. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, submission um, is a very misused word. 
I think it's taken out of context a lot, and, and it's used in the wrong way. Um, for one thing, submission here, we both need to be submissive to one another. She is not a doormat, and nor am I. Um, I have an uncle in West Virginia, God bless him. I've told this story many times, and, I, and I'm almost ashamed to call him my uncle. His wife walks behind him to this day. <clears throat> That's not right. Where did God create woman from? A rib. Where's that at? It's from my side. That's not from my feet. It's not from my head. I'm not to rule and reign and dictate over her. I'm not to walk on her. She's supposed to be by my side. Um, I remember one time, it's been 10 or 12 years ago, we were up for a family reunion. And uh, knowing the family, my mother and her sisters aren't of the persuasion of walking behind their husbands. Um, well, hey man, if you know my mom, you very well at all. We were having dinner. It got to be about five till. He said, all right, everybody. He said, we said we was going to eat at 12. We're going to pray, and then you women get that food ready, and we'll eat. <laughs> Uncle Ed shouldn't have said that. Not with her and all of her sisters there. Amen? But that's not, that's not what your wife is supposed to be. She's not your servant. She's not your maid. She is your wife. She is your helpmate. Amen? Um, Christ at whose name every knee shall bow of, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth submitted his will to the Father, and we honor Christ by following his example. It's not because you're supposed to. It's because Christ did it for us, so we need to do it back for him, to honor him. Um, when we submit to God, we become more willing to obey his command and to submit to others. Both husbands and wives, guys, both husbands and wives are called to submit. Amen? Let me ask you something. Um, for the wife, let me say this. For the wife, that means following her husband's leadership in Christ. Guys, you're supposed to be the spiritual leader of the house. How serious are you taking that? See, today, a lot of times, it's, it's the roles are reversed. Um, guys, that's very serious. Um, are you taking this role serious enough to lead and to be a servant? Um, Christ washed the disciples' feet. And if you think you shouldn't be a servant, then there's something wrong somewhere. Um, for the husband, it means putting aside his own interests in order to care for his wife. Be selfless. Put, putting things away to care for your wife. Um, and another thing, and this, a lot of times we find ourselves caught up in, 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 in life and, and in work and in whatever we're doing, but if you're not close enough to God to know and to see his love for you, how are you going to love your wife in the right way? How are you going to love your wife in the right way? Marriage is a holy, a holy reunion. Amen. I'm getting the Buchanan jitters up here. 
<laughs> At least my mic's not flopping off the side of my head, amen. <laughs> Marriage is a holy union, a living symbol, and a precious relationship that needs tender, self-sacrificing care. Um, we need to submit one to another, wives and husbands. Um, the second thing we see is love. In verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wife, wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Um, and the funny thing is, Paul devotes about twice as much time and, 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 and words here to telling us we need to love our wives than he did the wives, telling the wives to submit to their husbands. I wonder why that is. Some of us are a little hard-headed. Yeah. Amen? I know I am. Um, how should a husband love his wife? I'm glad you asked. Amen? Um, he should be willing to sacrifice everything for her. He should be willing to sacrifice everything for her. He should take or, or make her well-being his primary importance. Fellas, your wife likes to feel secure and she likes to feel stability. She likes to know there's a steady income coming in, and she likes to know that you've got her back. That is one of the most important things you can do for your wife is to make her feel secure, is to make her feel secure. Uh, she should be of your primary importance. How should a husband love his wife? He should care for her as he cares for his own body. I like myself. Guys, you like yourself? One guy other than me likes himself in here. Y'all a tough crowd tonight, boy. Woo! Lord help us. Um, ladies, let me say this. If, if your husbands are treating you in this way, there should be no reason you have a problem with submitting to him, to his authority. Amen? Third thing. Verse 33, 31 and 33. Um, says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife. Um, the third thing is oneness. We need to be submissive. We need to be submissive. We need to love each other. And then we need to have oneness. Um, the union of a husband and wife connects two people in a way that, that very little will affect one without affecting the other. When I'm not feeling good, she's not feeling good for me. When she's not feeling good, I'm not feeling good for you. If something bothers me, if something happens and bothers me, it bothers her. And that don't happen in a year. That don't happen in two years. That happens in 73 years. Happens in 32 years. Amen? Um, walking in oneness. Um, oneness does not mean that you lose your personality into the personality of your spouse. It means caring for your spouse as you care for yourself. Learning to anticipate your spouse's needs and helping them to become all that they can be. Um, I was talking to somebody after a while ago. They looked and said, ooh, I like that shirt. 
I said, I said, well, I've got good taste. They said, yeah, your wife's got good taste. I said, no, ma'am. I said, I bought this. I says, and I can pick out her stuff party better than she can. And, uh, but that's, that didn't take a year. It didn't take two years. It took 32 years. Can't a baby. I can buy clothes for you better than you can. Amen. <laughs> and she likes it when I do that, too. Amen. Um, the creation story in Genesis 2.24 tells us that the husband and wife shall be one. Um, verse 24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. In the beginning that started. There needs to be oneness. And Jesus also spoke of this very, this very same plan in the book of Matthew in chapter 19 and verse 4. It says, And he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he that made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Let me say this tonight. If you want a good marriage, if you want to make it, these three things we talked about tonight need to happen in your marriage. Amen. Lord, we thank you, Father, for this time. I thank you, God, for allowing us this opportunity once again. God, I pray right now that you'll touch Jeff in a special way, God, with his time and, and the word that he's bringing. And God, I, I pray again for preacher tonight, touch him in a special way. Touch those that are here tonight, God, I hope. And pray, God, that something is said and done here this evening to help someone, God. We love you and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Buchanan. Whoa, there we go. Good job. The marriage stuff was excellent. Great information there. Been married 25 years. We thought about getting a divorce a couple times, but neither one of us wanted the kids, so we just had to stay together. Um, we have a 15 year old, so we got about three more years, and then we can really decide what we want to do. Uh, I could run her off with a shotgun. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Let's pray. Lord, please help us tonight. Help something that's said to be an encouragement. And Lord, most of all, I pray that the things we say would bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. The verse starts out there. It says, now unto him. If you read the verse prior to that, verse 19, it's obvious by the context that this him here is, is God. It says, unto him that is able. Now, if we took, I have 19 minutes and 15 seconds, and if you tripled that, I couldn't even drop a, I couldn't even get a drop in the bucket of trying to describe 
the abilities of God. In the book of Job, Job is talking to Bildad about God and how that he shakes the timbers of the earth and how that he can remove the mountains, how that he can cause the sun not to rise, how that God can can erase the stars from the sky. These are the abilities that God has. You turn to Psalms 104 and Psalms, the psalmist David gives a description of the creation account. Such a poetic version of it. How that God spoke the stars into existence. How that he moved the waters back and caused the land to appear. How he brought the, the, the springs up in the valleys to water the animals and he created the rocks for the goats. The creation of God is indescribable. I think about how that a, uh, even a person who can take a piece of metal and some iron and he can weld something together and fabricate something is amazing to me. I've seen some of the things that Brother Mark can do with a big stack of lumber and some nails and a nail gun. and it, It's almost like art, the creations that he can do. But God takes a piece of dirt and he molds it into clay and he breathes the breath of life into that and Man is created after previously he spoke in the world into existence. The abilities of God. It says, now unto him that is able to do. Now, I want you to look at that next word. Unto him that is able to do. This may be one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. It says, unto him that is able to do exceeding, not exceedingly. That's a different word. Exceedingly is an adverb. This is an action verb. And words are important. They make a difference. They're important. It says, unto him that is able to do exceeding. That means that that goes beyond the next word, which is abundantly. If we, def- if we define exceedingly, it's not a really difficult word. If we go to the 1828 dictionary, it says, going beyond, surpassing, excelling, outdoing, We've all gone somewhere and been someplace, gone to a restaurant or on a vacation or my wife the first time she went out on a date with me and you, it, was, it exceeded what you'd hoped for. There's nothing like something going beyond what I had in my mind and what I pictured it to be. Even little simple things, I can get excited when I get a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit and I forget to ask them for salt and pepper, and I pull it out, and down in the bottom of the bag, they put some salt and pepper in there. That exceeds my expectations, and I'm really excited about that. Right here in this verse, it's talking about exceeding or going beyond abundantly. Now, that's the word I want to spend just a few minutes on, just a little bit of time. Webster's 1828 Dictionary is a great way to define a word to give a definition of a biblical word because that dictionary is defining the words in the way that it was intended and meant in the 1611 Bible. But the greatest way to define a biblical word is with the Bible. Now, I took Greek in college, and I know less about Greek than I did then. (laughs) Before I took the class, I speak English. So I take my English Bible, and I define English words with my English Bible. And if you'll take a word that you have a question about, you look it up every place in a concordance or some type of uh, uh, a reference book, and you find every verse that uses that word, and you read that word in context, 
of that verse, I promise you by the time you get done with that, you'll have a good understanding of what that word means. One of the things that you want to pay special attention to is the first place of mention. If you go to the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 20, we see the first place of mention of the word abundantly. It says, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life and the fowls that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. You think about abundantly in that context. You think about the sea life. Did a little research. I'm pretty good with Google. <clears throat> there are over one million known species in the ocean. Now, keep in mind, that's just a species. Underneath that umbrella of species are millions of individual animals within that million. That's the known species that are in the, that are in the ocean. There's an estimated 9 million unknown, undiscovered species that are in the ocean. Would you say that's abundant? That's a lot. Then it talks about the fowls of the air. There are over 10 million different bird species. Now, they have, I don't know who counted them, but <laughs> there's an estimated 500 billion different birds on the earth. Now, let me give you a, a, a let me put into context a billion. One million seconds is somewhere around 11 days. One billion seconds is nearly 32 years. So if you have a billion dollars, you have a lot more money than a million, okay? You can buy 1,000 million dollar homes. That's a lot of birds, okay? There's 7 billion people on the earth, roughly, 6 billion people on the earth, and that's, that's too many for me. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating that we should do away with any of them. I'm just saying there's a lot of people on the earth. But there are 500 billion estimated birds on the earth. That's a lot of birds. Would you say that that's abundant? Let's look at one more verse here, Numbers chapter 20. Verse 11, it says, And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the waters came out, what? Abundantly. And the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Now, we've got to do some speculation here. There was roughly 600,000 male men Jews, who Israelites, who left out of Egypt with, in the Exodus. So if there was 600,000 men, guess what there was probably with them? 600,000. And those, anytime you have 600,000 men and 600,000 women, you're probably going to have about 1.2 million kids with them too. So we're just guessing somewhere in the ballpark, just for estimation, about 3 million Jews are exiting out of Egypt into this desert. Well, as they're leaving, we've all seen the Ten Commandments. And if, how many of you are going to be disappointed when you get to heaven if Moses doesn't look kind of like Charlton Heston? Yeah. I am. As they're leaving, they've got their livestock, goats, sheep, 
cattle, camels, donkeys, whatever they're taking out of Egypt with them, whatever they could gather together and take out with them. So you figure there's probably, uh, you know, a couple, four animals per family. I mean, I, I don't know how to estimate that. But they figure that somewhere in the ballpark of 30 million gallons came out of this rock to be able to take care of the water needs of all of these people and all of these animals. Now, let's put into perspective how many 30 million is. If I took a five-gallon bucket and I started to bring a five-gallon bucket, I really what I started to do is just give everybody a five-gallon bucket tonight, but I figured Buchanan would give something away, and he didn't, so I should have done that. Um, if I took five-gallon buckets and filled them up with water, and cover the entire surface of a football field. I would have to stack them as tall as a 16-story building. There's, by the way, there's not a 16-story building in Coleman County. 16-story building, five-gallon buckets all the way that high to make up 30 million gallons. Would you say that's abundant? That's a lot. That's a great amount. When you think about all of the sea creatures, you think about all of the birds that are flying through the air, you think about how much water comes pouring out of that rock in the desert to take care of the needs of three million people. That, my friend, is abundant. What does this verse say? It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding, he goes beyond this abundant that we've defined. He goes past that unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, you know what? As we talk about this, we try to put into perspective a biblical definition of the word abundant. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I put all this stuff down. I looked it up on Google. I did all my research on this. I still can't wrap my mind around how many sea creatures there are, how many birds are flying around, and just how much 30 million gallons of water is. And that's exactly what that verse says right there. Above all that we can ask or even think. We can't even comprehend what it is that God is able to do. And you know what? What's sad or unfortunate is that too often... Not only do people misquote the word exceeding and say exceedingly, but they stop right there. They don't continue on with the verse. Because here's the thing. There's a condition to this verse. There's a condition here. We all like the touchdowns and the cheerleaders and the Cadillacs and the mansions and everything's going to be great, but there is a condition to this verse. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to. That word means equal to or to the amount of the power that worketh in us. So what exactly does this mean? How does all of this work? The amount of abundantly that's going to be exceeded in your life is equal to the amount of power that you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. It's a conditional promise. So how do we achieve this? Romans chapter 6 verse 13 says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness, unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. 
Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. If you want to enjoy the exceeded abundance of God's blessing, to the same degree that we yield ourselves to the control of the Holy Spirit, we'll see the Lord exceed abundantly in our lives. It's a conditional thing. I can't snap my fingers. I can't wave some woofle dust over your situation and make it all better. But I can tell you this. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with tonight, how tragic your situation may be, and I'm certain in a crowd this size, there's some tragic situations. But I can promise you this. If you're willing to yield yourself to God and yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to work in your life, then God can exceed the greatest expectations that you could possibly imagine in your life. And let me tell you how that works. Here's what happens when we yield. Our perspective changes. We don't see things the way that we once seen them. Because when the Holy Spirit's working in us, we don't have the same opinion of what things are. We now see them as God sees them. And the expectations are immediately exceeded. Psalm chapter 37 verse 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now, I used to think that if I would delight myself in the Lord, he's just going to give me a bunch of stuff. I think I was wrong. I think what that verse is saying is that if I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to change what I desire. He's going to give me what I should desire. You see how that changes the thing? So now I look at things from a different perspective. I don't see them in a temporal view. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 says, For our light affliction. Now keep in mind who's writing that, okay? That's the Apostle Paul. Just a few chapters later, it gives a description of some of the most unbelievable things that anybody's been through shipwrecks and beatings and whippings with a cat of nine tails, nearly starving to death, just abuse throughout his whole ministry. Paul calls it a light affliction. We get tore up because I was mad today because I had to buy a new battery for my truck. I had to get jumped off. Listen, this is no kidding. My truck goes dead and will not crank in the drive through line at Jack's. I said, Lord, why are you doing this to me? I'm so burdened down with affliction. That's affliction to us. Paul said, for our lot of affliction, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18 says, for while we look not at the things which are seen. Why do we not look at the things which are seen? Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews that, what does it say in Hebrews? Come on, somebody help me. Faith is the substance of things what? Not seen. It's the substance. The definition of faith is something that you believe in that you can't see. So this is all a faith issue. It's a faith matter for us. Because when we look at this verse right here, it says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. 
For the things which are seen are temporal. And the things which are not seen are eternal. We live our lives in today's society every day with the pursuit and the, of the acquisition of more stuff. What I mean by that is we go to work every day so we can make some money and buy some more cool toys, right? I've done real good. I've stayed behind that thing the whole time, but I can't take anymore. All we live for is getting some more stuff, building bigger houses, buying nicer cars, getting better clothes, putting our kids in better schools. I'm not against any of those things. I'm a big fan of all of those things. But what happens is we focus on those things which are seen, and that's why we continue to be disappointed in a world that what did we talk about two weeks ago that is ruled by Satan. And we continue to let this temporal world dictate to us what the standard of success and acceptable and approved is. When we and, and if we would change our perspective of this thing and stop focusing on these temporal things and focus on eternal things, then that Holy Spirit would be able to work that power within us and we could see things that would exceed abundantly. You know, when our kids were little, obviously there were stipulations at the supper table. We sit down, they start eating. They want some more green beans. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to give them some more green beans. We're going to shovel those green beans to them or those vegetables to them as long as they'll keep eating them. Guess how many pieces of chocolate cake they got? One piece. You see, as long as we line up with God and we ask for the things that he would want us to have and we seek those things out, we will continually see God exceed abundantly in our lives. But the key to that is it's all predicated, it's all conditioned and based upon the power that worketh within you. So if you want to see those exceeding abundant blessings, then you submit your life and you yield your members as instruments of righteousness and submit to that leading of the Holy Spirit and you watch what God will do in your lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your blessings. Lord, thank you for these words that we've heard tonight. Lord, encourage us, help us to change our 